0: So, actually, we're, you know, we're working our way through uh, slowly through the davenings. And before Pesach, we talked about Shemona Esrei. We talked about different parts of Shemona Esrei. I want to talk tonight about the very last um, paragraph that we say in the Shemona Esrei. Um, if we have the same sitter, it's on page 61. On page, which most of us have the sitter, um, page 61. That's the the way it is in shakras, but it's also in mincha or a of every shmona esrei, really. We mentioned many times that the uh, center or the essence of of tefillah is the shmona esrei. And the shmona esrei is made up of 18 brachas, 18 blessings. And then later a 19th was added. Um, And therefore it's really 19 blessings. Now, if you look at your sitter, the Shemona Esrei really finishes the end of the 19th blessing. The 19th blessing is Sim Shalom on page 60. You have a bold uh, word there. Sim, Sim Shalom Tov Bracha. And the end of that bracha is Baruch Atah Hashem HaMivarech Es Amo Yisrael BaShalom We bless Hashem who blesses the Jewish people in peace, with peace. And that's really the end of the last blessing, the last bracha of Shemona Esrei. Then there's a one line at the bottom of the page. Yihulatson Imrei Fi The Haggyon My the words of my mouth and the, the thoughts of my heart be um, Hashem should accept it. Hashem Suri Viguali, Hashem is my, my rock, my salvation. And that's we're basically just a, a final, it's a Pasuk, it's a verse from Tehillim, and we're asking that our words should be accepted on high. And that's the end. Now there's another paragraph. So we say this extra paragraph that is not part of the Shmona Esrei proper. It's not one of the blessings. It's not a blessing at all. It's a special request just as we finish the Shemona Esrei. And for example, in Shul when we have the repetition of the Amidah, the chasm will not say this last paragraph, right? The repetition of the Amidah finishes with Baruch Atah Hashem HaMivareches Amo Yisrael BaShalom. Because that's really the end of the Shmona Esrei proper. Um, in fact, let's say I'm in the middle of Shmona Esrei and I'm in shul and I hear they say Kaddish or Kedusha. Would I answer to Kaddish or Kedusha in the middle of Shmona Esrei? No. Right in the middle of Shmona Esrei, we don't answer anything. But in the middle of this last paragraph, we would, because this last paragraph, as I said, is not really the Shmona Esrei. It's not one of the blessings of the Shmona Esrei. It's an extra tekhina or bakasha, an extra request that we add when we finish the Shmona Esrei. So I want to look at... Yes? You're in the middle of Shmona Esrei and they're saying kash, should you stop and listen or should you just keep down? So you can stop and listen, yeah. You, it's not, it's not you're required to, but you could. Stopping and listening does not constitute a hefzik. A hef-sik, um that's the right word for hefzik? hefzik. A separation. A separation, a, right, a, a stop. Interruption. An interruption, right. So stopping and listening does not constitute a separation, an interruption. Um, and therefore, if I'm listening to Kaddish or Kaddusha, that's okay. I'm not required to, but that's not an interruption. But speaking is a definite no-no in the middle of Shemona Esrei, because that's an interruption. That's a hefzik. Speaking or moving. We don't move, we don't speak during Shmona Esrei really under 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 any circumstances. There's no there's no halachic circumstance that would allow one to stop middle smanasri. And even if a snake bites you, right? <laughs> good. <laughs> good. Barring so if my life is in jeopardy. Obviously, if a life is in jeopardy, then everything goes aside from the three cardinal sins. But um, barring life being in jeopardy, there's no reason in the world why one would stop a middle of That's pretty pretty strict. Yeah, but again, a child's life is in jeopardy. Same thing, if anyone's life is in jeopardy. Yeah, okay which is usually the case when they're trying to dodge <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay, so I'm not going to comment We're on okay. that. But, uh, but, uh, but obviously <laughs> yeah. in any situation... life is in yeah. In any state of danger whatsoever, so to the contrary, anyone who starts being machmir when it comes to a state of danger is silly. It's, it's yeah. silly. I, I remember it was once um, years ago I was by a Shabbos table in my parents-in-law, Solomon Eretz Yisrael, and the Shabbos candles were tea lights, and there was a bunch of Shabbos candles on one glass plate. And suddenly, I guess from the heat, the whole thing exploded. Mm-hmm. and immediately the fire like blew, became a big fire. Mm-hmm. And there's different people by the table sitting, what to it do, it's you know, Shabbos, whatever, my mother-in-law comes with a whole shizzle of water, boom, puts it all out. <laughs> and you know she didn't stop the thing, and of course she was 100% right. Um, this is an apartment building, all you need is one thing to catch, and there's you know, hundreds of people in the building. But whenever there's a question of life being a danger, there's no time for thinking, you have to immediately do what you got to do. Um, but barring that, in the middle one would not do anything to, um, we're not interrupting in any way. But again, here's my point, that this last paragraph is not part of that. Once we said that last line, we've, we've closed the monastery. We're finished. And now we add this special bakasha, this special request that we have to ask at the end of monastery. I want to take a little closer look at it and we'll see something very, very um, interesting. And I would say even, you know, very powerful, very fascinating. What are we asking for? When we finish monastery. What's the first thing in our minds when we finish monastery? Elokai, is my God, Nisar Lishoni Meira. Guard my lips from evil talk, from bad talk. Usfasi is my tongue actually. Usfasai my lips me daber mirma from speaking words that are hurtful, <clears throat> false, and so on. Um, something very basic. I shouldn't talk Lashon Hara, I shouldn't talk negative about another person, shouldn't have. shouldn't talk negative words. Now, obviously, Lashon Hara and, and, and words are very powerful. Words are very powerful. They can be very, very constructive and they can be very, very destructive. Um, everything is Ashkoch HaPratis. The Parsha of this week is the Torah portion where we read about Saras, which is leprosy. And famously, the Gemara says that what's the cause for leprosy Lashon Hara. is Lasham which is talk, evil talk, talk, slanderous talk, um, negative, hurtful talk. And that's why the leper is different than any other impurity in the Torah, in the sense that the leper had to be totally secluded from everyone else. And when it came to other impurities, for example, someone who comes in contact with a dead body, so they become tummy, impure, so they can't go into the Beis Hamikdash, But they don't have to separate themselves from everyone else. Um, there's different types of, 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 of tumma, of impurities in the Torah. The only impurity that requires that for the sake of the atonement, for that person to be in a, t- a state of total seclusion from everyone else, as the Torah says, he has to totally remove himself from everyone, is, is leprosy. That's the only such impurity. And the reason, as the commentators say, is because a punishment, a consequence is always commensurate with that which caused that punishment. And when one speaks words that are hurtful to others, so you're separating, you're dividing between people. And therefore, in a sense, you have to remove yourself from everyone in order to, so sort to of say, recalibrate and become a better person, a person that can be amongst people and not cause divisiveness. So we have Lashon the concept of, again, negative talk. What's, what's interesting, though, is, is that we just finished Shmona Esri. We're at, ideally, a person who daven properly. The person who talked, you know, over the, over, the, over the months we've talked about the four um, rungs of the ladder and we talked about the, the four worlds and Shwan Esther being the highest state of spiritual elevation and one reached the level where they're standing before Hashem himself and we're, we're finally finished so one is, again, ideally at their highest spiritual level and what are we asking Hashem? Hashem, make sure, help me not to talk Lashon Har. The question is, isn't that a little bit um, anticlimactic? Um, suddenly I'm so spiritual and so holy and what am I concerned about something that seems to be very very basic very very basic and that's a question that's written and there's a number of answers given to that question Um, and I wanted to explore them because I found it very interesting one simple answer is that no that's exactly the way it's supposed to be when we're at our high point of spirituality we have to remember the most basic and, and low points that we might come to um, sometimes we get lulled into a uh, false sense of spiritual uh, achievement and we think that we're not capable of doing something very basic and low. We're, I'm beyond that because I'm, I'm such a spiritual person. I'm so um, inspired and so lofty that I would never do such types of things. And yet we know the nature of the human being that we have two souls. We have a godly soul and we have animals. And even if our godly soul is at a very great level of inspiration, that doesn't mean that there is an animal soul lurking somewhere with very p- negative midas and and very negative um, traits and tendencies that have to be held in check. So therefore, what we're sort of telling ourselves at the end of Shmon Esri, that yes, here I've, I've davened and I've hopefully davened well, and I'm spiritually inspired and I'm, I'm re- re- but nevertheless, I have to remember that I'm also capable or even culpable of, of pretty nasty things. And just being that nice to another person and saying words that are nice and harmful and hurtful. And I'm asking Hashem for help that I shouldn't fall down there. So even though I'm, I'm so, right now everything is so holy, I realize that there's also the other side of myself and something that I have to work on always protecting. So here at the end of Hashem we're asking for Hashem help me just talk like a mensch, you know, not talk hurtful. That's one idea. Um, another idea that I saw in uh, Sabra Town is that Chazal say that someone who does talk Lashon Hara, so one of the things he says about that is that ain't filoso miscabelis, that their tfilas are not niskabel, they're not accepted on high. And for the very simple reason, Hashem says, you're talking against my other my children, then you can't come to me and ask for your requests, right? So we're, when we're at the end of our Tfila and we want that our tefilah should be niskabel, should be accepted, so we say, okay, well, and I'm going to try not to talk against another Yit, and I'm going to try not to talk Lashonhar, and that way Matfila should be Neskab. That's, uh, that's another concept. Another idea is. Can I just ask something? You may. Okay. This is a Labavitch Seder, because this Shimon Esre. this part, I don't stop in He comes out of Ne Malach. I never say that. Okay, so it could be there's different nuances of difference, but the the and Sar Lashon and Yeah, that I sense. Right, okay, so there's nuances of difference. There's okay. a line here, a line there, but the, oh. uh, the basic it would be the same. The basic words, the basic 19 blessings, and then the Elohim Sar, again, some words might be different, but the basic idea is different. Um, another idea is something else. There's something interesting. When you have, when one might have a um, a, a, muscle, a, a example that's brought, is when you have a stain in a garment. How noticeable is a stain? So the whiter and cleaner the garment is, the more noticeable a stain is. right? If I'm wearing something that's pretty dark and dirty in the first place, so another stain doesn't make that big of a difference. right? But But, but once it's clean, once it's clean and once it's perfect, I'm sorry... Yeah, black is good. Definitely. All right, that's <laughs> ideal. There's a reason why we all wear black. The men wear black, right? <laughs> so it's just more practical. But um, so, but the idea is that the more pure one is, the more even small stains stand out. So, therefore, when a person finishes monastery and they are at a spiritual high, they are at a spiritual, um, you know, lofty place, shall we say. It's at that time that things that perhaps earlier I may not even have noticed. They were sort of imperceptible. They weren't. There was. It was. You know. wasn't such a big deal. But when I'm at a state of greater purity, so then even the things that normally I might not make such a big deal of, suddenly I recognize they're a big deal because that's a state. So here I finished the shemoneh and talking about Hashem and all the things, and i and suddenly I look back at myself and I'm noticing perhaps things that might have been slighter. That I didn't at the time um, give it enough attention didn't seem so negative, so terrible. But in the with the new reality of davening, standing before Hashem, I again reinspect, and I find that things aren't perhaps as perfect as they should have been. And we ask Hashem to help us even in that basic area of making sure that our speech is a proper one. That's another reason that I that I saw. But there, there's even there's one more idea. It's very interesting. The words, Nitzar Lashoni Meira, Usfasai Medaber Mirma. Where do they come from? What is that based on? And we say it in Davening. But really it's based on, on words of Tehillim. Um, the David in Tehillim, I believe it's chapter 19, but let me look to make sure. No, not nineteen. Take that back. Um, Give me a second. Say it in the Shabbos Davening. Say it here. It's chapter 34. I'm sorry. Chapter 34 in Tehillim, which we happen to say also in Shabbos Davening. Um, If someone wants to look, it's on page 152 in your sitter. In the Shabbos morning Davening, where we go through certain chapters of Tehillim. So there's one, this straight out of chapter 34 of Tillim, it starts with the words, Ledovid Bishanoso Estamo. And again, in my Seder, at least, it's 152. Is it there? Right. Ledovid yeah, Bishanoso yeah, yeah. Estamo, right? Okay. If you go to the very bottom of the page, the last words, the actual last words on the page, Mi Haisha Chophet Chayim, who is the man who, who desires life? Mm-hmm. Oh, yamim Lirostov. Loves days wants to see good. Nitzar leshon chamirah, guard your tongue from bad. Usfasecha midabir mirma, and your lips from speaking again words of uh, vicious words, slanderous words, false words. Right by the way, this is where it comes from. Who is the man who's chafitz chaim? The one who guards his tongue. So you have the the chaim who wrote the book on Mm -hmm. shmiras halashon, on guarding one's tongue, and that's how he and he called his book chafitz chaim. That's how he got the name. His name wasn't Chavitz, right? <laughs> <It is. laughs> or Chaim. Um, right, right, it was But he called his Sefer Chavitz Chaim, the one who desires life. And the Sefer is all about the importance, the significance of guarding one's words, guarding one's speech. And he, and he became known by the name of his Sefer, which is something that's uh, common, that people might be known by the name of their magnum opus, or the great work that they wrote. Take, for example, the third Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Tzemach Tzedek. His name wasn't Tzemach or Tzedek. His name was Menachem Mendel, but he wrote a sefer called it Semach and that's what he's known by as that sefer, the Semach And there's other examples to that. but anyhow, over here we have that pasuk: Nitzar Lashon chamira, guard your tongue from bad, and your lips from speaking evil. Right? That's if you look if you look there back and forth. This is what we say: meira mirma. It's a it's Almost a direct quote, but with a very interesting and telling difference. What's the difference? One talks about me, one talks about you. Who is supposed to do the guarding? Right? If you look at the Tehillim, Hashem says, or in the Tehillim, he says, "Who, who, who was looking for life should guard their tongue and their lips. So whose job is it to guard our tongues and lips? ours (laughs) It's ours Hours. <laughs> but what do we say in Davani Elokai God yeah. Nitzor Lashoni Meira please can you <clears> guard <throat> my lips guard my tongue what's going on whose job is it yeah. so again this is clearly a takeoff of these words in the Pusak and Tehillim right mm-hmm. it's, it's the same words it's the same concept and yet we're changing something it's sort of, Hashem, you want me to do it? No, you take care of it for me. <laughs> like, who's doing the dishes tonight? You do it. I'll do it, right? So what's going I mean, it doesn't... We're finished. When I Hashem, you know, it's too hard for me not to talk Lashon Can you make sure I shouldn't? Yeah. So what's-, what's going on? What's going on? So I saw written the following. There's two types of Lashon There's There's one type when a person sits down to talk. Gossip, talk about someone else, and that's obviously very negative and comes from not a good place, and it's something that we got to not do, right? But then there's something that's much more. What's the word I'm looking intangible? for? No, no, not intangible. Insidious, subtle, like, mm-hmm. L- less insidious, right? Oh, okay. I think so. No, insidious means bad. bad. Th- th- then there's one that's much right. uh, more, more uh, subtle. Subtle, subtle thank sorry. you. So much more okay. subtle. Right. In other words, I'm not like sitting down to talk things. It's just that while I'm talking, it just slips out. I don't mean to say something negative. And we're not even talking negative. It's just I'm talking about something else. But things just sometimes are said or thought. I I didn't mean really. I really didn't mean it. I I just didn't mean it. I was just talking. It just, it just slipped out. Obviously, it's so much more difficult to be on guard even from that type. Of negative speech, and that's the difference between these two places. the The basic don't do it. That's number one. Our job, our job, just like we're not allowed to hurt someone physically, we're not allowed to hurt someone emotionally or mentally or with verbally. Um, it's something that we're not allowed to do. But many times, what happens is that it doesn't come from a wanting to or for a or, or in anything in any way premeditated. It just it just happens. And that's where we ask Hashem's help. Hashem, I don't want to talk negatively against someone. I don't want to hurt someone else's feelings. But I know that sometimes it happens. And I'm asking Hashem to help me guard myself from it happening when, I, when I'm when i not trying to do it. Right? So again, I can't ask Hashem to make sure I don't do virus when I want to. You know, if I you know, don't do it. But, I, but I'm asking Hashem to help me that it shouldn't happen inadvertently. It shouldn't happen by accident. And that's what we're saying here. In other words, we're being more cautious than the basic level of caution. The basic level is a mitzvah, is an avera. obviously we're not going to do it, but the, 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 the added help that we're asking is that even in those areas when it would happen by accident, so to speak, and I didn't mean to do it, and that's when we turn to Hashem and we say, we know that in Talim you told me to guard my lips, and of course I'm going to do my job, I'm going to work, on trying. Now I'm not going to sit down and try to talk negatively about someone. I'm asking for, the, for Hashem's help, that it shouldn't happen even when I'm not trying to do so. And that's why we're saying that at the end of Shmona Esrei, because as we said earlier, this person already, Davin Shmona Esrei, and the whole davening, hopefully is on a greater place. So here we're more worried even for the subtleties. Like we said, um, even for, um, like we said about that that stain that sometimes is not so apparent, but now that everything is white, even that stain is very negative. We realize it's negative. And we recognize that even when we hear someone inadvertently, the person was hurt. The fact that I didn't do it it wasn't premeditated. Doesn't make it less hurtful, and therefore we're asking Hashem nitzer leshoyni mira. We're asking Hashem that He should help guard us as well. When it's, on that note, I brought along a Tanya. I just wanted to read something very powerful. Um, you know, again about the more the more subtle types of negative and hurtful lashon um, hara, talking or, or or hurtful talk. So, in you know, the the Tanya itself is one book, but it's made up of five sections. The fourth section of Tanya is really letters. It's a collection of letters. It's called um, Igeres Hakodesh. Um, when the author himself wrote the Tanya, he only wrote it as a book of three sections: Lakutiy Amorim, the Shara Yichud the, the uh, Gate of Faith, and uh, Igeres Hachuva, the letter for Tshuva. His sons, after his passing, added another two sections. So the fourth section is letters. They called it um, the Holy Letters. And although the Rebbe wrote thousands of letters in his lifetime, they compiled 32. 32 letters that they felt were, uh, again, his sons were his successor, Rebbe Delver, the Mittler Rebbe, and his brothers. And they compiled 32 letters that they felt are um, are, are very important letters for everyone. So they became part of the Tanya proper. In chapter 22 of the Geras HaKadosh, he talks about, he's writing to a community, and he talks to them, he talks about Avas Yisrael. He talks about the, the importance of, of really, truly feeling how all Klali Yisrael is like one person. That kilon and were we one person, and to be able to feel humble before every single person, and recognize that no person is incomplete without everyone else. We're, we're one entity, <coughs> and we can never be, in, we can never be complete um, when we're when we, <coughs> when we distance ourselves from someone else right uh, we're all like literally one person and so on and therefore he says al <coughs> he says my, my my beloved my friends no, no, please he says i want you to work on this with all your heart and all your soul. <coughs> To wedge the love of another Jew in our hearts. And it says it's not something easy and it's not something automatic. You know, Avis yisrael, true love for every yid is not an easy avodah. You know, for kids we think it's just, you know, sheer your blacks. But real, real avas, avas, real avisral to be able to look at every other yid and really love them. He says something that I want you to really work hard with. And then he says, al-tachshavu Vavchem, Ksiv. He says, the bad of another person, don't even think about it. Don't let, it, don't let your mind dwell on something negative about someone else. <laughs> it should never enter one's heart. One should never let thoughts that are negative about another person into their hearts. وَإِمْتَالَ What if it comes up? What if in my heart I start thinking, start thinking negative about another person? يَهَدْفَنَ Push it out of your heart like one will push out smoke he says just like idolatrous thought he says let's say someone comes into their mind or their heart idolatrous thoughts maybe uh, I should bow down to idols I mean, just, that's ridiculous nowadays but whatever thoughts of heresy so from Yid I start thinking about heresy I, start, I, I push it out of my heart I, you know I'm Jewish I have, I'm a believer says the altarib in Tanya. That when one feels, and he starts thinking about something negative on another person, to push it out of our hearts, the same way we push out of our hearts thoughts of, of idolatry. He quotes a Gemara that says that talk, bad talk about another person, is evil like idolatry, adultery, and murder. These are the three cardinal sins of the terror. You know, that we mentioned earlier when I came to Shmanesri that that um, that uh, when one's life is in danger, so all mitzvahs really are off. I from three. All right? Idolatry, idolatry. Adultery and murder. Those are three that you hardly And the Gemara says, talking bad about someone else, in a sense, is as evil as them. So therefore, says the Altair but when in my mind I start thinking about someone else bad, I should push it away just like I would push away the thoughts of Avedazar. now, Question is, but that's talking Lashon Hara. The Abba is saying even thinking something negative about someone else. Where do you get that from? You following? Right? Lashon and Hara is always understood as talking. What happens if a person has really did something wrong to you? Right. So well let's let's get to that in a moment. Let's, but how first, do you do it? How do you, yeah. How do you yeah. how do you push do you away your thoughts? Right. Okay, good. But give me one second before that. Before that. He the Altarebbe took Lash Hara to a different place. And he says, there's talking and there's thinking. He doesn't want us thinking. It. Why? is talking. And here he says something very interesting. He says, whatever is bad when we say it, in a sense, is even more harmful to, to the soul when I think it. Because thinking is closer to me. Thinking is more internal than words. You know, when you say something, okay. it's it can be very it's harmful, gone. but it's, it's gone. It's like, it's gone. You know, right. I said it. When something is in me and I'm like, you know, dwelling doing in it, stewing in it, right. then that badness is just there and there and it's creeping into every part of me. Mm-hmm. And the same is true with anything. We talk about different types of avidus, different types of sins. People have this, this feeling, Rambam writes about this, that, you know, to do something is bad. But let me just, you know. Think about it. Let me just, you know, dream about it. Let me fantasize about it. Because I'm, I'm just thinking. Big deal. So Rambam writes, he says, people think that thinking is not a problem. He says, to the contrary, thinking is where you're at. What you did, you did. Now, doing is, is not okay, but it's sort of outside of me. But when I'm living with it, when I'm... So then that's like really becoming part of me every moment. And that's what he says here. He says, If the words are so bad... How much more so the thoughts. That this is known to all those who are wise. How much more powerful thoughts are than words. For a good way and for a bad way. In a positive way. When one, let's say one learns. You learn, you say the words, and then there's thinking about it. Thinking about it brings it so much more closer to me. So thinking is more powerful in a positive way. When I think holy thoughts, that affects me more positively than saying holy words. Because again, words are more external. So just like positively, holy thoughts have a greater impact on my soul than holy words that I uttered. In the same way negative thoughts have a greater negative impact on my soul than negative words and he finishes with a bracha, Hashem haToiv Hamavoriches Hami Vashalom Yasta aleichem Shalom. God who blesses us with peace should bless us all with the ability to have true peace amongst each other, and so on and so forth. But that's what he writes. Again, this is very, very powerful words, and and in the again, it's it's chapter twenty-two of the Igeres Hakodesh, the Holy Letters of the fourth section of Tanya. But that's where the al writes this concept, where he he's really like begging the Chassidim, not only um, not to speak. Badly, one against another but even to, um, to concern ourselves with it but even to, to, to see to it that our, our thoughts are in negative and when those negative thoughts do come to us he says he asks us to push them out of our minds now you ask the question how do we push negative thoughts out of our minds mm-hmm. you can control words but you can't control thoughts So I mean I'm sure there's a way to control thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. let's now let's hear I'm sure there is Everything to reveal in one class. <laughs> well, there's ways to okay. well, obviously, thoughts. there has to be ways to control yeah. thoughts. Because, yeah, because. Yes, yes. If you take certain actions. In other words, there is a there is a great story, and I'm, I, I hope I'm going to say it, I, I think it was of the Magid of Mezritch, who was the Altar Rebbe's Rebbe. I think it was him. It was either him or the Baal Shem Tov, but I think it was the great Magid, and he had. Someone came to him and he said, Rabbi, how can I control my thoughts? He says, my thoughts run wild in all these different places and I would love to control them, but I, I'm not in control. So as he would famously do many times, he sent him to one of his disciples. Mm-hmm. The Maggit had many of great disciples and his disciples were all holy people. Or many of them were holy people and, you know, miracle workers and so on. And he sent him to one of his disciples, and I don't remember now which one. And he sent him to the disciple and said, go visit my disciple, maybe he'll be able to help you. So he goes to the disciple, and he gets there sometime at night, and he's banging on the door. The way the story goes, it's raining. And, you know, it's like after Pesach in Chicago, it's snowing, <laughs> and he's he's banging on the door, he's banging on the door, and the guy's not answering. But he sees from the window that he's there. So after a while, he gets tired. After a while, he starts banging again. This has on for a long time. I don't know how long it took. At some point, he opens the door. Oh, shalom aleichem! He takes them in, and gives them what to eat, gives them where to sleep. Everything as if nothing happened, and he didn't say anything. And he went to sleep. Woke up in the morning, everything was fine. He davened, he ate, and finally he couldn't contain himself anymore. And he says, Rebbe, you're a wonderful host, and everything is so wonderful. One question: Why you leave me outside in the cold for three hours last night when I was banging on your door? So he says, simple. He says, I wanted to show you that in my home only what. We- only to whom I open the door and when I open the door do I allow someone into my home. I'm in control in my home. And a person has to be control in themselves and to allow in only who they want to allow and when they want to allow. It was the answer to the question that he had come for. Our mind can't be a place that's just open for other um, influences to decide whether they want to be in my mind or not. In other words, obviously it requires tremendous self-control. But... Our abilities of self-control can't only be limited to what we do and what we say, but we have to be able to teach ourselves how to think what we want to think about people and about events and about about anything. Um, Because ultimately, what we do think about is going to trickle down into what we speak and is going to trickle down into what we do. Um, I didn't answer the question exactly how. But a, a person who is in control of themselves truly controls also what I want to think about. I think, I think in general also, when you follow halachic Torah, you are, you're training your mind to delay gratification. You're training your mind to think a certain way by doing certain things. Without it, though. Doing, Without which leads to thinking. True. And also we teach right. ourselves what to focus on. Mm-hmm. Right. right? If, I, if I'm thinking negative about another person, And I decide that I want to focus on finding the goodness in that person. And I'm going to to work on that. You know, all of us have people that we love. Family, People people that we love. Family and so on and so forth. Now, parents, spouses, children, right? Those people that we love probably also have negative sides to them. Nobody's perfect. But because we love them, what do we choose to focus on? The good things about them. Right? So, when, when I might hear someone talking negatively about someone who I love, so they might be saying true things. I'm not interested in hearing. Why am I not interested in hearing? Because I love that person. So, yeah, they might have, it would be silly. You know, some people are so silly that they think that everyone, uh, all of my children are perfect, or all of my, anyone of my is perfect. But in most cases, that's not the case. That all my children are perfect, all my parents are perfect, all my brothers and sisters are perfect. Everyone has their things. But because I love them, I choose that I'm going to focus on the goodness of them. And I'm not going to think about those things. I'm not gonna, definitely not going to dwell on those things. I'll dwell on the beautiful traits that they have because everyone has those beautiful traits. So it's really up to us how to look at other people and what to focus on in those people. Am I going to focus on the negatives the focus on the positives? There is positives if I choose to find it. That negative person who works me has someone who loves them too. And that person who loves them sees the positive in that person. So I could Sometimes also. Sometimes it's really hard to see. Okay. Like really, really, really. Okay, but it's but it's there, but it's there. That's funny. you know, like if you stop thinking a certain way, you can't because it's time for chakras. You can't. You have to stop your thoughts. Good. You know what I mean. Good. You have to do Excellent. Things, Excellent. Yeah. You can't. The, the, the rabbi am very much encouraged that every person should have in their mind um, holy thoughts inscribed, thoughts of Torah, um, words of Tehillim, words of <laughs> Hanya. Because they said, very simple, they said, when your mind goes one direction, you want to combat it, you have to have something to combat it with. Right. Right? You can't say, I'm not thinking. You know, the mind keeps on thinking. Minds think. right The more you say you're not thinking about something, the more right. thinking but if I have something else positive to think about, then I can get my mind occupied with something else positive. And that becomes a, a powerful arsenal against negative thoughts because I have positive thoughts. Right? There's a whole host of things that we have to do that we can skills. do to. Skills. I'm sorry? There are a lot of skill as a therapist. For sure. A lot of skills you can use <laughs> to true. train. For to, sure. To train your thoughts. And and obviously, going to places that are going to inspire negative thoughts is not helpful either, exactly. right? Exactly. So it's all there's so much going on, but ultimately, a person who's trying to control themselves, there are many different tools that I can do to control not only my actions and not only my words, but even my thoughts. And and here the al is telling us: the more we work on. Ahavas Yisrael, on true finding the goodness and the beauty in another person, the less we'll have to struggle with not thinking badly about them. As I said, my own siblings and children, I don't have to work that hard not to think badly about them. Not that there isn't bad there to think about, it's just I love them too much to go on that route. So if, if everyone is my brothers and everyone is my sisters, which is the MS of Klal Yisrael, then I don't have to work hard on not finding the bad in them. There's so much good that I'm just thinking about. And that's, what I, that's the only thing I want to think about. I, I, of course, I'm like, you know, making it easier said than done. But this is our aveda This is the aveda that we're talking about. So at the end of a whole long Shemona yesterday, when we were super spiritual, we come back and say, Hashem, I need help in just basically being a good person amongst people and not being hurtful to another person, and not speaking or even subtle negative talk, or even thinking negative as the alternative adds here in time. And of course, what's a very powerful catalyst in that, as he says a little further, is, that I myself should be humble. The more one is humble, the less we get hurt by people. Does that make any sense? In other words, the more I'm into myself, the more I'm constantly being hurt. And then there'll be more negative thoughts on the other side. For sure. For sure. Because one who's very into themselves and into their this and that, so someone looked at me wrong and someone said something wrong and someone this, I've been hurt, my my feathers were ruffled again and again. Because, you know... um, There's a story of one of the Chassidim, and again, I'm sorry, I'm not remembering names tonight, who came into one of the Rebbes. In fact, I think it was the Rebbe Maharash, Mm. whose birthday is tonight. Mm. Tonight is Bey's ear, the second uh, night of the month of ear, and the birthday of the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe, and the Rebbe Maharash of Shmuel. So I'm pretty sure that this story happened with him, that a Chassid walked into him and he says, I feel that everyone's always stepping on me. I think he meant figuratively. He says, everyone's always stepping on me. So the Rebbe told him, he says don't spread yourself out so much. Mm-hmm. In other words, don't be everywhere so everyone won't be stepping on you. Mm-hmm. The, the idea is, the, the more where I have to be everywhere and everyone has to know about me and everyone this, the more I'm putting myself out there to be stepped on and to be hurt. The more one is humble and discreet and not into their own grand, you know, grandness, the less I'm hurt by people. And that's what it says here. It says, V'nafshi ka'ofra Kolti. But there's even something, I, I skipped a few words that are even more powerful and, and fit directly into what we're discussing here. What is the last, the last word on the first line? Vilim nafshi sidom. What does that mean? Vilim um, nafshi sidom. To those who curse me. To curse. Or those who make light of me. It's different ways of reading that word, but they're both the same thing nafshi sidom. What does where sidom mean? Why? Let my soul be quiet. People might hurt me. Oh, don't Let me be quiet. Let me be peaceful. What does that mean? What's our tendency when someone hurts me? Oh. Boom. Right? Right back. Right back at you. You said something insulting to me, I'll insult you twice. Mm-hmm. Right? Right? That's again natural self-defense, defense mechanism. Someone hurt me, I'll you know, right back at them. And here we're asking, we say, just like we're asking Hashem to help us guard our, our tongue and guard our lips, we're asking another very unique request. Help me be able to not respond negatively when someone hurts me. Is that an English, uh, English translation? Yeah. No, no. I would like a, to see. I would like to hear. It's not. Um, look for it. It's not. I can find like a it if in a second. Okay. It's not yeah. The same yeah, yeah, I know. For one. Yeah. Let my soul be yes, silent God. to those who curse me. It's right out there, right? Very powerful, very interesting, and powerful request. Again, our tendency is we respond. And we're asking for the ability not to respond. Now, I, I want to I talk about this, but I want to preface what I'm going to say with, there's, because I know this many times comes up, someone says, so should we let ourselves be hurt? Should we not protect ourselves? We're not talking about that. One should never, one should always protect themselves. One should never let themselves be hurt. The issue is not, um, should I protect myself? The issue is, how do I respond? In other words, the need for me to respond to that one. Not to take myself out. If, if a person's hurting me, I have to make sure that doesn't happen anymore. Whether, However that goes, and depending what the hurt is, and there's all different types of hurts, that's a whole different it's, it's a discussion, and I don't want to get involved in that discussion. I want to talk about the midos aspect of the need to hurt back. And that's what we're asking, Hashem. Maybe I, I was hurt. Do I need to hurt back? Do I need to make sure that if they hurt me, I'll get them back? That, 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 um, ve- what's the word? Uh, Vindictiveness, ven- ve- ve- Vengeance. Vengeance, vengeance yeah. or, or revenge, really. Mm-hmm. Right? So, there's a very <clears throat> beautiful Gemara that I want to talk about for a few minutes. It's a little, it's a little bit tough, but, but let's, let's, uh, the Gemara talks about, says the following, that saddikim, says, pious peace people, are ne'elovim. The word ne'elav means to be embarrassed. Ne'elavim, they're shamed by others, but they don't shame back. Then it goes on. I'll come back to it. They hear others who belittle them or whatever. They don't respond. They're They're able to be happy, even when they're afflicted. Such people, says the Gemara, these are tzaddikim, and Hashem rewards them, etc., etc., etc. This is in two places in the Talmud where we have this quote. But so really, so it's written, and Elsa also actually mentioned in Tanya, that there's three levels here. Even though it sounds like one thing was said, but really there's three steps in, in greatness of humility. The first one was, they're embarrassed, and they don't embarrass back. What does that mean? Let's stop there for a minute. Again, someone hurt me. Should I hurt them back? Again, we're not talking about protecting myself. The need to hurt back, that's, that's a negative mida You know, I once heard, who here remembers Rabbi Schusterman? Anyone? One of the, the long, sure. the Rav here for so many years. Great man, right? So I remember hearing this from his son, Shmari, should be well. That Shmari said one time a person walked into the house of his father's home and he screamed at him and he insulted him and he like really acted like whatever. And father sat quietly, for those you who remember Rabbi Shusterman never ruffle, never this, and whatever, good evening, walking through the door, that's it. So son asked him, that person just screamed at you, he insulted you, how did you act so civil, so nice so to him? And he said, my father answered me, he says, just because he's not a mensch, I should also not be a mensch. Why do... If he's not a mensch, that's a problem he has to work with. Why should that rub off on me that I should stop being a mensch? I have to be a mensch. That's, that's number one. The fact that someone was bad shouldn't bring out badness in me. The fact that someone hurt me shouldn't make me a hurter, Someone that hurts others. So, this, that person has negative midos? Yes. Does that person have to work on themselves? Yes. Will Hashem deal with that person? Yes. That doesn't turn around to become my calling now. That because they were hurtful, I have to hurt them back. So that's level one. Not such an easy level, but that's level one. That the fact that I was embarrassed or shamed should not therefore translate into me having to shame them and embarrass them back. Okay? Now, but even if I don't shame them or embarrass them back, there's something more subtle, which is at least... I want to respond to um, vindicate myself, someone insulted me. So I'm not going to insult them back, but at least I will answer that no, I'm not deserving of that, and that's not correct, and so on. What's the second level that we read? not to answer at all. The need to vindicate myself is also an interesting need. Now, if it's important because... I don't know why I might lose my job or because of it. So that's something else. Again, I'm protecting. But just the fact that because someone says something negative about me, it's important for me to set the record straight. That importance is not an avera. But that doesn't come from humility. Someone insulted to me, okay, done. I'm quiet. Like in, this, in that story of Rabbi Shusterman, he, he didn't answer, he didn't correct himself. He said, okay, thank you very much. You know, be well. And that was the end of the conversation. There wasn't the need to be right. A lot of times we have the need to be right. You know, in an argument, in a in a this and that, I have to make sure for the records that I'm right. That's not so important. I know in my heart that I'm right. It's okay. Again, if it's important because now, uh, you know, my, my children aren't going to like me, that's something else. But if it's just about me making sure that it's said, that I'm right, that also is not a, a humble trait that comes from I have to at the end be right having to be right is not a trait of humility it's good for, it's not that I know that I'm right I doesn't have to I don't have to announce it so that's a second level Are we following you know as level one was I don't have to hurt back level two is I don't have to vindicate myself I'm okay I, I know that I'm okay so someone said something. So they said. That's level number two. Then there's the highest level. Hasmechim <laughs> I'm actually be able to I'm able to be happy when someone insulted me. Uh, what's there to be happy about? What's to be happy? about? they just hurt my feelings. They insulted me. They screamed at me. They didn't make me feel good. What's what's so good about this one? You're maintaining a constant level of happiness. Right. You but really are okay. I'm maintaining. But why does this make me happy? Why am I happy? Because, because you, you overcome a test. What? Okay. Okay, go ahead. No, I didn't hear mean, you said. I was looking I said I said so. you overcome a test. That's good. That's Well, good. you thank Hashem, but you're not like him. Okay. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. nice. I just heard, I want to say about something that you said, I just heard something magnificent two days ago that I wasn't planning on sharing, but because you said that. One of the great um, Rebbes who survived the Nazi death camps and lived to create a whole new Hasidus was the Rebbe of the Klosenberg Hasidim. I don't know if anyone heard of Halbustam, a great person. Um, so much about him. He passed away actually in the same week as the Rebbe in, nine, in 1994, like three days later. Um, a tremendous man and there's so much about him but one of the so I, again uh, this one thing that I heard this Shabbos was that one time they were being forced to climb some I don't remember even what climb something and if you'd falter they would beat you until either you died or you moved or whatever and he was the one and he had fallen and they were, the Nazis were just beating him just beating him mercilessly and the people around him were just thinking where are they going to bury him they, they thought it was over and somehow, he pulled out, and he, whatever. And he was the rabbi in the camps. He had his chassidim there. So someone asked him after that, he said, even after this, could you still say, u-banu mikol ha-amim, that Hashem shows us from amongst all the nations? You see how downtrodden we are, and how we're being murdered and killed, and you felt it on your own skin today. Could you still, tomorrow morning, say, Hashem, u-banu bacharta? and he says, now I can say it with even more kavamah. Because look at what the other nation looks like. And Hashem made me so different. That's what he said. Exactly what you just said. That when you see someone acting negatively, in a sense that makes me feel good, that look how I could be and how I'm not. And that's what he said. Very amazingly. Um, he was actually very close to my grandfather. After, right after the war, in the DP camps, he only ate from food that my grandfather was, the Mashkiachan. And then he married off my grandfather and grandmother in the DP camps. The Klosenberger the Rebbe, right? Anyway, back to here. But I want to finish with something else, which is, why would one be happy when they're insulted? When they're hurt? What's, what's so good about it? And the Altar Rebbe, again, Tanya, says something amazing. He says, a person ultimately who has real amuna in Hashem knows that if I was insulted now, if I was hurt now, Hashem, I was supposed to be insulted now and hurt now. What might there be positive about being salt and hurt? Hashem m- might cause atonement for me for things of the past, right? We know there's a, the Ramban. Nachmanides says something very amazing. He says that all of us have different things that we can use a little cleansing, a little atonement for, right? And that's why after life, there's a the concept of Gehenna, right? Well, it's Gehenna but Hashem is angry at us, wants to hurt us. It's all about cleansing, cleansing and purifying and atoning. Says the Ramban that any pain that we suffer in this world causes atonement that is way accomplishes way more than what atonement in heaven accomplishes. In other words, a little bit of pain in this world is able to exempt us from what would have been what would have been much more painful for a much longer time after life. In fact, he says a very interesting example, a physical example. He says, when you're looking at the, uh, at the line of shade during the day, right? The sun is moving in heaven, and the, there's the line of the shade, the shadow, and it moves, right? So if the line of shadow, shade moves down here 10 feet, how, how far did the sun have to travel in heaven for the shade to move here 10 feet? Probably hundreds of miles. He says, Hashem created the world in a way that every small thing over here accomplishes what up there is tremendous. So Ramban says, a little bit of pain in this world saves me from who knows how much pain in the next world. A little bit of cleansing in this world is so much more powerful and therefore so much more concentrated than how much I would have suffered there. So therefore, says Al-Tarab Tanya, when a person suffers pain in this world, nobody looks for pain. But when we do suffer pain, what's the healthy way to look at it, the spiritual way to look at it? that Hashem is scrubbing me a little bit, taking off those things, and in His kindness, He's doing it to me in a way that's so much more concentrated, so that a little drop of that here is saving me from so much more of that. So here a person, I was insulted and hurt, the the real Maimon, the real believer, thinks in his heart, wow, Hashem did that, and He just now helped me so much, He made me purer, He made me cleaner, He made me more refined. I had to go through some painful moments, and He gave it to me in that way. Right? There's a Yiddish expression, we say, should be a yeah. What does that mean? Something bad happened? Okay, but you know what? We, what could have happened? What, what maybe should have happened? This little bit should, should take care of all that. So again, we don't ask for it. We don't look to be insulted. We don't look to be hurt. We don't, but when we are, the real believer says, Baruch Hashem, that Hashem gave it to me in this way. And hopefully that takes care of what a lot. But, and, and being that I'm a humble person, I know that a lot's coming to me. So, so, so Baruch Hashem, it happened. That's So that's the three levels. Level A is when someone hurts me, I don't hurt back. Level B, I don't even have to vindicate myself. I'm good. Level C, I'm actually to have simcha when I was hurt. Not because I like being hurt, but because I recognize Hashem did it, there must be a very good reason for it. And it actually was very helpful for me. And all of that lies in these three words, nafshi that even when I'm hurt, even when I'm cursed, I shouldn't feel the need to respond, to hurt back, to vindicate myself. To the contrary, I should be peaceful, serene, even happy and recognizing that pain ultimately comes from Hashem and ultimately is for my benefit as well. We'll stop with here and um, see where to continue next week in recession. We session.